industry under pressure, innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. All right. What do we have today? Oh, yes. Yes. I remember. Um, okay. This is going to be fun. Uh, there's a couple fun things happening today. Uh, the first is that I have here on my trusty iPad Pro. Um, well, I'm at a website that I've never seen before, but it looks it looks fun. And the website is called yellrobot.com. Like, um, like what happens if you're in a theater and you yell robot? I, I don't know um, what the uh, what the implications of that are. But uh, anyway, there's a website called Yell Robot, and I have found an article, 1921, and the first robots. Because um, as you all know, I'm always interested in kind of like, you know, the history, the beginnings of things, and so I thought. Um, because as you might guess, as you might guess, we're going to talk about robots today. Um, so I thought, you know, like when, like what was the first robot? And there's, and the story is always, you know, it's always one of those things where like the very first one wasn't really what we think of now, but it was sort of a early predecessor that kind of had the, anyway, this story is very similar. And, um, the first robots, let's see. Well, so, so the first ever actual robot didn't come until the late 1960s, much like me. But, uh, but the word, the first mention, mention of a non-human entity that worked autonomously, uh, this, um, this came in a stage play in 1921, so it was a play. Uh, obviously, you know, art art predates life usually, and uh, or what, what, that's not the art imitates life. <laughs> that's, that's that's the thing. Yeah, but and it predates it many times. Anyway, um, it was the former Czechoslovakia uh, in the city of Prague, and um, the word robot was used in a play. Uh, the, so the title of the play was R U R. Uh, R period, U period, R period, which was short for Rosum's Universal Robots. There you have it, folks. The word robot in 1921. Karel Kapek was the the author of this play. And uh, anyway, the play was, what was the play about? Um, Oh, okay. So the robots, so so the robots were not made from metal. They were actually... um, made of some sort of a chemical compound and then they took they they took <laughs> they didn't take they were given the shape of a human um and then they were very strong and they could let's see it says here that they could perform the labor equivalent of two and a half human workers two and a half specifically two two and a half human workers and so they were deployed everywhere uh and here was the here was the objective so that the human race could be freed from work and can work on bettering themselves and their values. Well, we see how that turned out. Okay, moving, moving right along. Um, some ways art does not imitate life. Shaky the robot, however. Shaky 
uh, came 40 years later in the late 1960s, early 70s. This was the beginning of AI. And and uh, oh, there's a whole kind of interesting thing here about Shaky the Robot. He's probably in a, in a museum. Oh, yeah, hey, look at that. Shaky the Robot at the Computer History Museum. So if you live near the the Computer History muse- Museum, if you can say Computer History Museum, then uh, you could visit Shaky. Anyway, besides that, and yes, we are going to talk about robots, um, but... Um, There is something else that I need to tell you about first. And what was it? Oh, yes. Yes. Unscripted. OGGN Unscripted, the new live stream video show. Um, I think I've probably talked about this on a couple of previous episodes. So uh, if you weren't paying attention then, you can hear about it now. But you want to not, don't, you don't want to miss this one. At least don't miss the first one. After that, you know, then you can decide. (laughs) <laughs> it's worth it or not. Because <laughs> here's what's going to happen. Uh, we're going to do this first episode on March 3rd, which is... Um, now, if you're hearing you're hearing this episode of, uh, of Oil & Gas... Oh, by the way, welcome to the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, brought to you right here on the Oil & Gas Global Network, which is the largest and most listened to network of podcasts for the oil and energy industry. And you, if, if, you're, a, if you're a prompt listener, because this episode is going to drop on, on Monday... Uh, what is that? The September twenty eighth, twenty eighth. Yeah, this one. You should your first opportunity to hear this will be on Monday the twenty eighth. And so coming up right behind that on Thursday the third is unscripted. And what's the first episode? We're going to do it monthly. Um, so uh, if you miss the first one, you'll 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 get get to catch the one. But you don't want to miss the first one because here's what's going to happen. It's either going to be spectacularly wonderful or it's going to be spectacularly uh, disastrous uh, because <laughs> we've never done it before it's unscripted and uh, and it's going to be fun. like like it's not this is not just one of those boring things where we sit around and um, so Mr. expert in the oil and gas industry what do you think about this uh, we are going to have some some experts but they're but they're fun people uh, and uh, and my co-host Kayla Ball, who you've heard on the show before, is uh, is uh, an extremely fun person. Besides being very smart, and uh, and we got some we got some great guests. We also have cocktails and ping pong, and I don't even entirely know what all else. So you want to not <laughs> you want to not miss the first one because um, even if it's a disaster, it's going to be fun to watch, and you will get to hold that over our heads for many years to come. So. OGGN unscripted. Uh, it's going to be live streamed in all the usual places. So just just uh, follow us on LinkedIn, and uh, I'm sure all the information will be there. Also, I'll put it out on my LinkedIn feed. So um, so just you know, just look in the usual places, and you won't miss it. All right, that is enough of that. Um, getting back to the program. Yes, robots today, and I have somebody on the show today who is. Uh, uh, beaming in all the way from Zurich, Switzerland. And, uh, you know, he started a company um, when he was, you know, pretty kind of still working in university. And, and he's, I guess, I guess you could say he's been a robot guy from way back. And, and it's a great story. Uh, but it's, but we're going to talk about some interesting things about uh, like, not, you know, we've all, we've all gotten to where we sort of accept the fact that robots are among us. But sometimes it's fun to kind of dig in and really understand what's going on there. So, ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm OGG and welcome to Peter Funkhauser. Hey, 
And that does get us to our guests today. I'm sitting here. Well, I'm not actually sitting here, but we're we're in the remote configuration today with uh, Peter Funkhauser. Did I get it right? Yep, perfect. I did. <laughs> which which hopefully I also said it correctly in the little introduction that they just heard before that snappy musical interlude. Um, but Peter, thanks for uh, thanks for making time. We're 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 hours and and continents apart, so I appreciate you making time to do this. Fantastic pleasure to be here. Thanks a lot, Michael. And and you are, um, let's see, Zurich, right? Is that yeah, are, Zurich, are Switzerland, Zurich? absolutely. Yeah, Zurich. So, um, um, yeah, we're uh, we haven't done the, you know, we were we were chatting just a few minutes ago, and we didn't do the weather comparison. I always like to do the it's weather, bad. but it's bad. It's bad. I got fully soaked this morning. Came my bike to work. Um, but it's, <laughs> it was bad. I ride my bike <laughs> so, twenty, you know, every day, three hundred sixty-five days of the week, even if it rains. But I didn't put on any. Uh, yeah. protection <laughs> <laughs> so so this is one of those days where you didn't put on any protection <laughs> this, is, this is one of those days where i love to uh because it's probably like what's the temperature there uh, it's uh, probably let me just check it's nine degrees <laughs> celsius nine degrees <laughs> celsius so that's so that's i that's something like that's like in the like in the 20s in our language or something like that i think right no 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 it's above it's above so it's, it's probably not too 40. cold it's okay it's probably it's, it's just pouring rain and a lot of wind so we have some yeah Storm so, over. So here it is. Uh, it's let's see. It's um, it's seventy three here in Houston today. So that's twenty two. That's twenty two for you. Okay. That's so. <laughs> so we're. This is why I'm in this. As you can see, uh, yeah. our listeners obviously can't see, but you can see that I, I have I have resumed the uh, the Hawaiian shirt routine. So because it is now warm again in Houston. Fantastic. So anyway, all right. Enough about the, <laughs> enough about the weather. So you founded this company, um, which is and and uh, and you got some exciting stuff coming up uh, soon, um, uh, and the company's called Antibiotics. And and we're going to talk about robots. And uh, but first, like a little bit about I know I know that you you started this company, uh, you know, f f I think it was like five or six or mm -hmm. seven years ago or something mm -hmm. like that. And it was kind of a spin off of some like uh, work that some mm -hmm. university work that you were doing. So um, so so what else? Like what's what's your story on how you how you get to where you are today? Yeah, so I was together with some of my colleagues doing our masters and then PhDs in robotics, and we really had the idea to bring robotics to a next level. You know, robotics, as you know, it is always confined to a certain space where it's protected, it's bolted down. You know, the typical robot arms. But the lab we were working at was called or is called Autonomous Systems Lab. It was all the idea to take robots out into the real world, and so yeah. one of the ideas was to build robots that had four legs uh, to be able to go anywhere where people can go. And yeah. we very early on noticed and companies actually came to us and said, hey, you know, what, you, what you're doing is great. Please continue. We'll be one of your customers because we, we don't have this technology today, but we're in urgent need of such things. And that has led to founding Anybotics in 2016. So you, so, sorry, so I'm going to say that for later, but it sounds like you broke the rule. Well, so I always maintain that, um, you know, everybody. Whenever somebody starts a company, a lot of these <laughs> startuppers that I have worked with, um, they always have this notion that the product is going to sell itself. And and those of us who have been around the block like a couple of times always insist that nothing ever sells itself. Um, but it sounds like, it sounds like you've proven us wrong because <laughs> it was no, it was actually I, I, selling I itself <laughs> before. You... <laughs> it needs both, right? The product is one yeah. step, and 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 selling it in. Putting it to market positioning is step number two. 
Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, people don't just like show up and drop money on your doorstep. No. Um, I had a, I had a, I had a uh, argument one time with my brother about whether groceries sell themselves, and uh, and and they don't. That's that's my. <laughs> we, we can talk, we can cover that some other time, but they don't yeah. sell themselves. So so how did you? What got you into like? I mean, apart from the cool factor, like why robots? What what uh, what drew you to that? Yeah, I think myself and including my colleagues, we're always driven by curiosity and creating impact and you know novelty. Um, and, and, mm-hmm. and with robotics, that's such a new field, especially you know these newer types of robots. That there's so much work still to be done. Whereas in other fields, you know, you're optimizing some percentage, but pretty much doing the same as people have done before. But in yeah, robotics, sure. it's a wide open field, and I think for you know people that have creativity, want to build something, that's just a fantastic playground to to express yourself yeah um so i want to get to that uh i want to get to the what the future holds um in the near future of this conversation but um because i think it's it's interesting we see in in some ways uh you know, and you've got the, and, and, you know, the walking robots and the, and we're going to, and I, and I want to ask you a little bit about how, what makes all that possible and stuff, but, um, and, and kind of how you got aligned to the oil and gas industry, uh, mm-hmm. where obviously the, the, play, the playground is vast, but, um, but yeah, you know, it's almost like, because I, it seems to me that because we've seen, we've had so many like movies, right. And so many, and seen so many, you know, with social media, you know, every time there's a cool video, everybody sees it like 50,000 times. And, and it almost is like, you really see these walking robots doing stuff now. Um, it, it's almost like maybe it's lost the, like people, like it seems normal to some people, right? Do, do, you, do you ever, like, like it's not, I, I want to say it's lost the wow factor, but it's kind of like lost the wow factor. Like, of course we have robots that walk around and do stuff. We've been seeing <laughs> that ever since the Transformers or or whatever else. But um, I, it seems like we kind of take it for granted. Do people ever, do you ever run into people that like don't quite appreciate the the, the complexity and the and the difficulty involved? I, I think it, it's hard to impress today with a video. People know, you know, it's it, a lot can be done in video and you, you lose that connection. I've never seen a person yeah. once experience a robot in real life to to not be you know, uh, just profoundly excited and, yeah. and think, wow, this is actually, and then you can hear it, you can feel it, you can see it in 3D, you can, you know, control it. Um, that that right. has a mass, so seeing is believing. We, you know, we do that a lot with customers as well, just get the robot on site. It just changes the perception completely. Yeah, so... So, uh, so we're desensitized by looking at stuff on the screen because so. we, yeah. we see all kinds of things on the screen and it mm-hmm. just doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what? Um, so as you were getting into this, um, uh, oh, actually, you know what? I, I have a. So I lifted a line from somewhere when I was doing my five minutes of homework on you. Um, uh, it says somewhere you have something written that says. Uh, our work focuses on, I love this because there's like seven words in the sentence that I don't know what they are. Um, our work focuses on perceptive locomotion where exteroceptive sensing of the surrounding is exploited to plan and control the robot's motion. Fantastic. So, that, so that's, fa- that's fascinating. What, what does that mean? That might be one of the papers. I hope that's not on the website. <laughs> I think it could, <laughs> that, that's could be. That's a very scientific expression. What we mean by that is, is the robot needs, since it's moving in a complex natural or you know environment, typically people move, 
um, the robot needs to perceive its environment. It needs to know where it is. It needs to see obstacles. It needs to know where to place the step at the next step. So that's extra perceptive perception that you know it's perceiving the environment ah, 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 through so sensors. Yeah. Um, gotcha. and, and, and the second word, and, and that has to flow then into the control systems. So the robot has to understand and act on it very quickly, right? When you slip on ice on a stone, our robots at one time, one thousand times a second, they react. They have a sense of balance. They understand the environment and react to be able to move safely through these complex environments. That's that's what we're trying to say there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, which obviously is required when you get into all of these um, interesting um, industrial environments. Right. Um, what? Okay, so everything that you just described, like you said in well, in two sentences. Um, and this goes back to why I feel like sometimes we we take for granted that yeah, of course people are making robots that are doing all these things. But like what like without like without digging too deeply into your paper, like for for like mm-hmm. the, the lay people out there, like what exactly? How, how did we get to this point? Like what what goes mm-hmm. into making a robot able? Obviously, we know that there's software involved and there's hardware involved. But like like how is this possible at all? Mm-hmm. Like what? How did we how did we get to the point that we can do this? It's really, you know, a couple of fundamental technologies coming together. Um, on one side, we have computation, PCs or mobile phones. You know, they, they've been really increasing in computational performance. That's one. Second is sensors. Now we can buy lightweight sensors that we can, multiple of them attached to the robot, such yeah. that it, it, it enables them to see, to have a sense of balance, right? We, we're talking gyroscopes, accelerometers, depth cameras, all these kind of things, LIDARs. And the third element is certainly, you know, c- computer generate the code or, you know, code in general, but also AI such that the robot can learn to perceive the environment, can learn to walk. You can program a lot of things, but the level of robustness that we were able to reach bases a lot on actually the robot self-learning. So we're using reinforcement learning where the robot tries out in simulation thousands and millions of movements until it figures out how to walk properly and how to react to disturbances. So it's things like this that make me think the matrix is real. I, I, I think, I think oh, it's, inter- that <laughs> it, it's, it's hard to I'm even, very simplistic. It's, it's hard. It's, <laughs> it's hard to even, uh, so it's, it's, yeah. I mean, there's so much going on there, um, that you, so you start with, so you have all, so now you have the, you have the models, right. And you have the, like the, the, um, the AI models that are there and things are learning and, and obviously you can take what you've already done and then you can like repurpose it to new models that do different things and, and all of that. Cause you have the framework, right. You kind of have mm-hmm. like the underpinnings of all that. But like when you start out at the beginning, you have nothing. Right. So, so like, did you have to start? So if I want to get into the robots business, um, do I, do I have to start, do I have to start with, uh, with like, like blank, like blank piece of paper or, um, well, I guess now I'm sure there's probably lots of, of frameworks that can be leveraged, but, but in the beginning, like somebody had to figure all this out from the beginning, right? Like somebody had to start, like write the first line of code. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about that exactly. But but like what? Like how do you, how do you explain that mm-hmm. to somebody? Like how did we do that? You know, you know, technologies are always built up on combination of, of prior technologies, really. And I think robotics really came together of, you know, electronic sensors, computers, and and and, and 
AI or in general programming, computer vision, these kind of topics. Um, but it's true, right? Robotics is still very complex. It's not a standard product, especially the types of robots we build. So the only other companies that are capable to do such such systems are decades old. We, Our team has started over 12 years ago to build up the frameworks. We're still profiting yeah. from all that work. And you know, once you want to build really you know, industrial grade product that gets you down to a lot of rabbit holes as well. So, so you'd be surprised we had to invent our own motor, our, our you know, systems, uh, cooling systems for the robot. We have patents on how to do, you know, conduction of the robot. So there's a lot of um, and topics that you wouldn't believe that you have to drill down because th- those parts don't exist yet. Then, yeah. you know, the ecosystem grows, it becomes valuable, people see value in it, and, you know, it becomes a business case. And there's going to be different suppliers that they're going to take over pieces of that. So when you start the robotics company today, it's much easier than, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And it's going to be much, much easier if you start in 10 years. I mean, today you can program an iPhone app because the phone exists and the frameworks are yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah, not the case yeah. 20 years ago. I won't just just to be clear. I'm not going to be getting into the robots business anytime. You're very soon, welcome. But, <laughs> and also, <laughs> but, but it, 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 it needs it more people. Me. I, I mean it, right? Um, it, it needs different companies. So we're happy about every competitor uh, in, in the yeah. literal sense because together we need to show that this is a feasible technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you still run into the? Um, do you still run into the fear factor? Uh, you know, people sort of e- either because they're afraid of of this sort of thing in general like uh or because uh the old thing about taking jobs away and i mean i think we've gotten past at least in oil and gas i think we've gotten past most of that for the for the most part right like like we see how it's how it's just kind of realigning the industry to be able to do different things but do you still run into those kind of uh uh you know Mm -hmm. uh that kind of objection in general very little um what we see is from from the public, you know, when, when they come and see yeah. the robot or see us online, of course, you know, they, they don't understand what we're really doing and they don't understand the impact. Um, so they have... But it must be bad. Questions. It's got to be bad. I don't understand it. So it has to be... T- <laughs> so it has to be... I is that sort of how... I curious um, and yeah. asking questions on how we think about it. And I mean, uh, there's okay. also, you know, if you talk about um, and robots and just recently there has been videos and posts online about similar robots equipped with a gun. And, and, and certainly think that's uh, highly yeah, problematic. Yeah. So, you know, what right. we're doing is to be very transparent on what the robots do, what they don't do, to, you know, to be clear on that these are not AI machines that, that will evolve by themselves, but it's essentially tools that are yeah. to a certain extent smart, but only in that realm. Um, and we ver- work very closely with our customers, right? We know every single customer uh, personally. We make sure they have success with the robot. Yeah. We know what the robots are used for. So there's a lot, lot of things you can do wrong in, in, in building these new technologies. It, well, it does. So it is one of the... So it is one area of technology that also kind of gets into ethics and mm-hmm. philosophy, right? It kind of has that whole component to it. Um, uh, but I think it... But at least, like I said, in, in the oil and gas business it seems that um like we're kind of like we've moved past the apprehension and uh and and people are seeing you know kind of how um how these things can benefit the industry and 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 things like that so speaking of which um um so how did so obviously uh as you were as you're developing uh these capabilities like you said you spent 12 years um and you and and you had to look out and you had to say um 
okay, where are we going to try to bring this? Like, where are we going to try to bring goodness to the world? And um, and so, oil and gas industry is. Uh, I mean, how did? It, it, w- w- it, there's obvious opportunity there, but there's also like like it's not for the faint of heart to come into the oil and gas industry and try to do some of this stuff. Was that uh, um, was that kind of the plan from the beginning, or or how did you how did you come up with the alignment to oil and gas? Mm-hmm. Not in general. Our, our vision is to essentially create a autonomous you know a workforce of autonomous robots really that we see mm-hmm. work you know in a team where there's people of human workers and robot workers and our goal is always you know right now is to go into environments that are tough where people do difficult jobs in potentially dangerous environments where they shouldn't be and oil and gas is is offshore essentially is a prime example mm-hmm. of an mm-hmm. unpleasant environment where it's very expensive to send out people if you have any, you know, safety risks are taken very seriously, but accidents happen and they can be devastating. So there has been a very, you know, the oil and gas industry is very perceptive of those risks and tries to do any, everything they can to, to in, use new technologies to avoid and improve the, the, the working conditions and safety and performance yeah. of their assets. So that has naturally led us to do oil and gas. Uh, we do a lot of chemicals as well, uh, chemical facilities, sure. power generation, mining. There's a lot of environments and this will, you know, we start with where we can solve problems today, but that will not certainly not stop there. Yeah. So what do you, what, um, um, yeah, it's, it's funny how, uh, something that's happened in the oil and gas industry recently is, especially with, with the, um, efforts in digital transformation, um, that everybody is now taking seriously. Uh, it, it turns out that a lot of those different <laughs> industries actually need to be able to solve the same problems and accomplish the same objectives. And there wasn't so much openness to that before. So it was sort of like, um, it was like, uh, well, our industry is different from all the others, and so we're not really interested in learning from them. Or, or if you were to, um, you know, not too many years ago, if you were to come in with a, some sort of a product or solution into the oil and gas industry, and you're, you're a relatively new company, or you're a start, what the first question that they were going to ask you is, where else have you done this in, in oil and gas? And I want, I, want you, I want to see that you've done it in 10 other companies exactly like mine with exactly the same problems. That I have. And of course, um, uh, but, it, but it seems that like we've sort of woken up to the idea that we can learn things like what they're doing in chemicals, like chemicals and refineries are basically the same thing, right? Um, what they're doing in power generation, what, any of these industrial control environments, um, it's very similar. So, so as you're working across all those industries, um, do you see like the, I hate to use the word synergy, but do you, do you see like the, like the commonalities that allow you to, to, to sort of solve problems universally across the, all those spaces? Certainly, uh, to, to, to quite quite an extent, I think people, especially people that are tasked with innovation, they, they have their eyes open and understand, hey, if it works in that environment, it might work as well for us. Nevertheless, um, we you know very specifically target certain industries and you need those use cases um, to, to show we have done it with 10, 10 identical customers that have this, you know, the identical problem. So that certainly mm. helps in you convincing because it's still a new technology. You need to prove yeah. that it's not only a good video, but you can, you know, the system works reliably on right, the really servicing, etc. And, and, and what's very special about the oil and gas and chemical industry that they have, you know, potentially explosive environments. So you need also certain certification to be able to do that. 
Um, so th that's also something you know we've been targeting to build a robot that has this explosion-proof certification. Yeah. So you mentioned that earlier when we were chatting, it, and <laughs> it like it never occurred to me that you would need an explosion-proof mm. robot, mm -hmm. right? Like um, now, when you say that, do you mean that the robot is won't explode or that the robot won't cause an explosion the, the latter exactly so you 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 know you're working in zones where you could have leakages of, of, of gases that if they were ignited would lead to devastating you know uh, accidents so all the equipment that you're introducing to these zones uh, needs to be to to you know, really high level protected such that no ignition can occur um, you know, it, it means if you take your phone into those environments, it needs to be one of those X-proof oh, phones, see, right? Um, yeah, they're, they're yeah, yeah. Very special, very expensive. Um, and you can imagine for a robot that needs to be lightweight and move around, has a lot of electronics and motors, etc. It, it's extremely challenging uh, to build such a device with that certification. So you're saying I probably still shouldn't talk on the phone when I'm putting gas in my car. Is that, is that you shouldn't <laughs> smoke, certainly. And <laughs> <laughs> so, so all right. So, but let's talk about that for a second, um, because uh, when you first said explosion proof, well, at first I thought maybe you meant like the robot won't explode under certain conditions. So we don't have to worry about robots just randomly, like spontaneously combusting. That that's fine. No, right? that's also for all the robots. They shouldn't. Right? <laughs> there, you have the yeah. entire safety certification. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So none of them, none of them are gonna are gonna explode just unexpectedly um but then you could see like sometimes explosions are caused by somebody who does the wrong thing like a mm -hmm. human could cause an explosion mm -hmm. because you know they switched the wrong thing at the wrong time or added the, or whatever it is so so you're not even talking about like the robot making a mistake that causes i mean that's another concern right i mean you have to make sure that your robot's not going to do the wrong thing right um and then at the next level you have just the robot's presence could cause an explosion if it's not right. um, yeah. so so how do you so so what does that look like like how do you make sure that a um i i'm actually not familiar with i mean i've heard about these explosion proof mm -hmm. phones but mm -hmm. what like what goes into making that, that yeah, there's, happen? there's several different mechanisms on how you can protect something you know imagine just if you have met certain metals on metals if they collide they create yeah. a spark already that is a mm -hmm. problem so you need to protect a robot, you know, those metals that they can never collide with each other or with yeah. the environment. So it's about the outer shape of the robot. Then it's about, you know, when you get a little shock, a little spark when you touch something because it's electrically loaded. So mm -hmm. there you need to make sure that never happens. So, you know, making sure that it's all on the same electrical level. That's another one. Um, heat dissipation. You know, if you, yeah. if you have motors and sensors that are beyond a certain threshold, they could cause a problem. So cooling is one of the big innovations that we had to, to do for such a robot. And then it's, there's a lot of electronics and motors, mm. right? Uh, you need to have special gaps. So if, for example, if you had an explosion that the gases would cool down sufficiently, there's other tricks where you, for example, pressurize electronics with nitrogen over pressure. So none of the gases can actually enter Right, so there's mm. several tricks and, and methods that you can do. Um, it's in, in the end, it's really can you implement them reliably, and can you still maintain the performance of the robot? And, and think that's what we've been able really to achieve with with, with yeah. your new robot. So yeah, so once you've solved the problem of how to make a robot, you know, perceive its environment and move and 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 do like functionally do all the things that it needs to do which is a whole set of 
problems that I still can't get my head around. But um, uh, then and and the mechanical engineering, right, that goes into like making sure that it doesn't fall over and trip over its own legs, and, and that it has the precision that it needs, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Et cetera. Then you got to come in and 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 uh, and say, well, now we have to make it safe in these these industrial environments, which is a whole sounds like a whole another set of of uh, challenges. How do you um, now? I could see this is where. Um, yeah, to to prove that you've done it, right? Like the the the, uh, the stakes are high if you did it. So so how do you get how do you get to a level of confidence that you can put this thing in a real environment and it's not going to cause an explosion or do some or, or or any of the other things that you just mentioned? Like yeah. like you can't just show up and say, "Hey, we solved all those problems. Here you go." Like put them to work. So how do you, how do you, and not just, I don't just mean in the, in the context of selling it to somebody, but how do you know that you, mm-hmm. that you've gotten there? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's a long process, but in the end you work together with a notified body that's legally allows you to, to, to check you and certify you. Um, so there's a whole bunch of standardized tests that you need to pass, um, mm-hmm. with many of these robots, uh, and you, you need to show all kind of crazy tests, um, you know, you, for example, you drop metal balls on top of the robot and, and, and nothing, you know, uh, can, can be dented or kind of like none of the gases can leak, things like that. Um, so there's a lot of uh, interesting technical tests that need, you need to pass with those uh, robots or devices in general. Um, and, and by that receiving the certification from an external notified body. So it's not yeah, yeah. us thinking, hey, it's good enough, but it's really tested and certified. So... So some so so some poor robot gets to be the one that goes in and gets all beat up with. <laughs> yeah, and you ignite them. They try to make them explode, right? You 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 yeah. pour gases in, you ignite it, you see what happens. Will it fall yeah. apart? Things like that. So <laughs> they get so, beat up quite a bit. <laughs> so so there's some sort of facility, I guess, where they do this. Absolutely, and, you know, absolutely. And uh, did 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 you, did you ever have one like explode? Like you're you're sitting there watching it, and and it just like all of a sudden, oops. <laughs> no, no. L- luckily, um, we, we I think we have excellent engineers uh, with a lot of experience, and we were able to avoid uh, any completely damaged robots. The, yeah. the, <laughs> that's good. So would be so, in the exhibition um, room if we had, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's the thing is it, that would be a YouTube. To, to, to that would be a great YouTube. <laughs> Send that one around. Um, all right. So uh, a little while ago, you mentioned use cases, uh, and even even among the different industries that are similar, you still have to zero in on particular use cases. Um, so where? So in oil and gas, what? I mean, yeah, and you mentioned offshore. Um, what are the? What do you? What do you? Th- what do you think are the highest value? Use cases that mm-hmm. uh, that you can that people can aim this stuff at now and and see some like pretty quick value. Mm-hmm. You know, anything that is repetitive, routine, and quite simple, that can today be automated. Um, today, you have a lot of you know, standard inspection rounds where you do visual inspections. You maybe take a tool with you to do some measurements, thermography. And you have maintenance engineers offshore that do that manually multiple times mm-hmm, a day. Mm-hmm. And, and those are yeah. tasks that today just can be taken over. So you need, for example, they can focus on other things, on maintenance. We, we, you know, we, robots don't fix anything right now. Um, or you need, essentially, the trend is moving towards less people offshore or yeah. completely unmanned facilities. So you can run them completely remotely. Well, there's somebody, was, wasn't it BP that rec- or was it Equinor? That recently announced a completely automated offshore 
platform. Uh, Many of them, I think, they work in that direction. So I think any major somebody's like running company. one. Somebody's running yeah. one right now. I I I believe so. Um, yeah. All right. So that's so that's the uh, that's the obvious stuff that the people have been talking about for a while. What do you think, um, like future wise, like what, once we get done, once we get done, uh, getting people out of the red zones and, you know, and automating all those like, like gauge readings in harsh environments that we shouldn't be sending people into or, um, those like once. So like what I would call the obvious stuff, once we, once we do all that, like, like, where does it go from here? Do you, do you have any, like, what's your crystal ball say? It will, you know, once this is show that this works, companies, and they already started, will completely redefine how these facilities can be built. Now, if you know I have robots that can do certain tasks, I don't need safety railings. I don't need, you know, the, the safety equipment for ah. people. People don't need to live out there. I don't need to have, you know, hi enough height and space for people to move around. You can completely redefine how, you know, the plants are built and how work is done out there. Um, so yeah, that will yeah. it will not happen from you know from today to tomorrow, but over the next decade, I think a lot of facilities will look completely different because we have this technology available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right, so we don't need a we don't need a kitchen and we don't need exactly. uh, all the sleeping quarters and all that. Um, what about um, uh, you? So you mentioned chemicals, refineries. What is? And I know there's a there's a project going on on the East Coast here in the U.S. called the Refinery of the Future that a bunch of people are, um, uh, are collaborating on. What about um, or, like what about those more like traditional ICS environments where uh, I, I mean, same thing, right? I guess it's kind of the same the same impact that you can have it's the uh, same tasks that we solve you have the same environments to you know the infrastructure is very similar um yeah you know the, yeah. the pumps gener generated independently of what you do exactly the supporting infrastructure and the problems typically in, in, in inspection maintenance are the same now there's you you know in offshore it's especially expensive to fly people out and have them out yeah, there it's a little yeah. bit less of course onshore but the tasks are essentially the tasks identical are the, the, the tasks are the same yeah 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 so um, so we get to where well <laughs> so the so the irony is however um, we're we're gonna you're gonna change the way um, we build facilities that 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 we that people think we're not going to build anymore. So, 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 uh, um, you know, for, uh, for example, like new, uh, like all, like the investment is all going in. Well, not, I shouldn't say it all. There's, there's a lot of, at least in the headlines, there's a lot of investment going into energy transition. Um, and some people are kind of wondering, and, and we have statements that have been made, but you know, like one, one, uh, one particular, uh, executive at one of the big, uh, oil companies, um, that has recently changed its headquarters, um, said, I think it was a year ago, said, we may have already found all the reserves that we're ever going to need. Uh, we could have a whole argument about whether that's true or not, but there's this sort of sentiment that says, uh, well, we're not really, we're not, like, we're still doing that stuff, but we're not building, we're not, we're not doing new offshore uh, development, we're not building new refineries, we're not, right? Um, how does that, how, like, how does that look to you in terms mm -hmm. of uh, the the future of of uh, this stuff? Mm -hmm. So it, it's really you know, 
in the brownfield, these facilities have been built, but they still will run for many years. So, sure, and, and, and sure. there you want to do little investment, right? Uh, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Squeeze yeah. out the infrastructure. And there, this technology of putting one robot covering entire sites is is, ext- is extremely, you know, beneficial if you can do that. That's one. Sure. With all the sure. new green, greenfield project. Um, now, I don't want to make predictions for oil and gas itself, but we're working also a lot in wind energy, offshore wind, right? Sure. Same yeah, thing applies yeah. there. You have these big stations out there. Um, you know, sometimes we, we can, I, I believe that technology will enable certain forms of energy harvesting because, or make, make it profitable because you don't need from the beginning to send out people there. You have new technologies. You can come up with new forms on, on how to harvest energy. So uh, we see it right now. It's a big push from, from brownfield, of course, but uh, the same applies for greenfield um, plants. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we actually, I was just in Midland last week um, and, and we drove out there from Houston because we have to... Um, because we were doing a live podcast and we had to bring equipment with us and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, the, um, um, so if you've ever driven through that section of Texas out to Midland, the, the wind farms that are out there, they just, they just go for as far as you can see. You don't even like, you can't see the, like there's the just, well, I mean, out in Midland, you can see for 10 miles, but, Mm -hmm. um, but you know, they just go as far as you can see and you want to, and those are all, those are all, those are all like pieces of equipment that need like, like maintenance and surveillance and all of that. Right. Um, I, I can't imagine somebody, uh, like driving their pickup through all of those different. <laughs> well, that, that's what happens today. And, and that, yeah. that's onshore, right? Imagine yeah. the same farms and, and even bigger ones, uh, exist and are being built offshore. Yeah, even yeah, more yeah, difficult. Yeah. Right? So, so can you also? So, could, is it conceivable that you could? Um, I mean, you have, uh, you've got, um, you got the ability to have these robots uh, navigate these this rough terrain. Um, can we? So, in those in those rough onshore environments, right? Which you also have in the Middle East and other places. Um, say, you, like you can. Same thing, like you can send them out there and they and they do that. Do they do they walk the whole way or do they have like the like the like what's the how, how does it work in those environments? So you refer to concretely if, if you have a wind farm onshore, yeah, or um, anything, or, you know, yeah, or or, um, or oil and gas or whatever, yeah, um, so, so typically, in the desert, right? Yeah, um, so we can cover up to multiples of kilometers. So what we want to make sure. Uh, let's say you know two, two or three miles uh, with, with a robot on one on one go. Uh, typically, what you want to make sure, also from a safety aspect or security aspect as well, is to have a closed-off facility. So you don't want to cross streets or highways and things like that, right? <laughs> to, to go from one facility <laughs> to another. So typically, we work on on one closed-off facility, but that can yeah. be quite sizable. Now, what's great is that we also have a you know a, a docking station. Should the range not be enough, you put those you know cheap, small docking station, unintrusive, unintrusive docking yeah. station somewhere. It, it, you know, charges, continues, and by that you can cover, you know, tens of, of miles if you wanted to. But typically you want to cover a site, you know, multiple times a day. So per site we typically deploy one or two robots. I, I know that, so in our house we have one of, the, one of those uh, robot vacuum things, and uh, it can find the docking station about half the time. So, uh, so, so hopefully... <laughs> Well, and and it can and it can almost make its way around the whole house without getting stuck three or four times. So uh, um, so hopefully you're doing better better than that. You, we, can find we, you that. know we're in a different environment where we can use more expensive sensors. 
right? Yeah. Um, we're solving yeah. a different value proposition where it's it's we can charge more than three hundred bucks for the robot. Um, <laughs> you can. That's right. I would think. And, and then you can use higher end sensors, you know, and and yes, and thereby also increase reliability because that if you work in industry, that's of course a must. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. All right, so. Um, so the future, the future looks like, um, not only, not only automating the, 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 the work that's being done, but even changing the way these things are built. Um, anything else, anything else interesting about like what, what, what we can expect to see, uh, like, come, well, when you, and you're, you're debuting some new stuff, right? Um, uh, at, at OTC, I think you said. Right? Oh, absolutely, and I, I think that that's interesting. Some for some of the listeners working in the oil and gas or chemical sectors that so far, you know, a lot of these robots on YouTube they look great on videos, but if you want to introduce it, you need that X-proof certification. We have been working with our partner uh, Petronas uh, for mm-hmm. many years now to be able to do that, and finally, you know, after applying for all the patents, we can show the real robot. Um, it's going to be publicly shown at the Offshore Technology Conference on March 22nd in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that's very exciting, finally, to be able to go out and show people what we can do with this device. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's... Uh, um, well, you know, and Petronas, uh, that's interesting because uh, I've worked with them before and they are, um, you know, people, uh, and I talk about this all the time on the show, but, uh, you know, people still think of the oil and gas industry as being sort of like not really with the times in terms of innovation and new ways of doing things. Um, and, uh, and we've made, and, and that's actually not true, but however, uh, Petronas, uh, they've always seemed to be very, um, uh, like very like open and looking toward like innovation and new ways of, of doing things. How did, how did you guys, uh, how did you get connected to, to work with them. Good question. I don't even remember how, how the <laughs> connection remember. happened. Typically, what happens is people see what we do through our website, uh, videos, and then we get connected. Yeah. And I think we were and one you of get, the yeah. you know, companies that was extremely open uh, to show them what we have, what we don't have. Yeah, and they yeah, felt like yeah. The synergies of their expertise and ours in this partnership really came together. Yeah, they particularly, I know that uh, they, they, um, they intentionally put a lot of um, uh, younger Mm-hmm. Uh, people into leadership roles and to try to get like you know very innovative thinking and, and new ways of doing things. So that's good. That's a good. That's a good partnership. So so that's happening at OTC. When did you say March twenty second? March twenty second. Yeah, is 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 when the conference opens, and at that time we'll also be posting you know videos and pictures. Uh, we're launching sure. the adopters program for potential you know for customers who are in, interested. Uh, so lots coming together in the next coming weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I would think, and you mentioned earlier about how it's not the same when you see it on a video as when when people are standing there in person and they react. Um, however, I would guess that the next best thing is maybe a video that, like, not just a video of the robot, but a video that's being taken during a live demonstration where you get to see the people react right to the. I mean that. So for those of us who can't be in KL for OTC, we could at least. Watch, watch the videos like the video of you're going to have videos of it of the live presentation right yeah that, that's certainly and what we do quite often for, for you know people that are seriously interested we do 
remote demos so you'll be able to you know see what we do you can interact with the user interface and essentially it feels ah, like yeah. you're onshore offshore That's right fantastic. um yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's miles away but you're interacting with the robot it's not exp- seeing the robot live but you see the results and you get to experience how it how it yeah, works yeah. And how to interact with it absolutely how does how does one go about getting uh, uh, involved in one of these uh, remote demos yeah i mean uh, at anybotics.com uh, top right uh, contact us book a demo that that's one oh that's um, it okay cool yeah, yeah yeah and then you know typically we we, we we talk a bit you know about the use case we really want to understand that we can create impact and if it makes sense we're super happy to to set up an online demo to show everything um, for the the OTC the announcement itself I would recommend that you know subscribe to our newsletter or LinkedIn um, yep, we'll yep. be posting all the news there um, if you want to just uh, yeah keep up to date Right, right. Okay, and I will also mention that we're going to do a so so this is a, we're going to do another episode here uh, coming up pretty soon, and we're going to get you on uh, the oil and gas digital doers, where we're going to talk a little bit more about the specific work that you're doing with uh, with like like the what are the real world scenarios and who you're working with and the kind of results that you're seeing. So so uh, so that'll that'll be something that people can tune into as well. Anything else? Any uh, for so this is a good time to wrap up. Any uh, any any final uh, uh, any guidance for people out there who are thinking I need to get some robots over here. That that's the right attitude in general. <laughs> I think no, but it, it's really a new technology, and it's about learning from you know people that use it. We need to learn still a lot and uh, exchanging, seeing if there's opportunities. Uh, we have learned a lot. There's a lot we can contribute already today. So very excited to be in touch with anybody who's listening and is interested. Okay, what, excellent. What, yeah. Excellent. So, Peter Fonkhauser, I still remember how to say it correctly. Fantastic. This, this <laughs> Appreciate is close it. Enough, close enough. Thanks for making time today, and, uh, uh, and we appreciate you being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Michael. All right, that's going to wrap it up for today, folks. Don't forget about OGGN Unscripted and all the other great things that are coming. Whoa, just bump into the microphone there. Um, all of the other great things that we're doing at OGGN, um, it's, uh, there's new shows coming out. There's, there's probably old shows that you've never listened to before, and you should go check those out. Uh, the Industry Mixers on the last Thursday of every month, if you're in Houston, which I know many of you are. And uh, yeah, just keep an eye on LinkedIn, uh, and you, will, uh, you, you won't miss anything. All right, many thanks to everybody who is listening. And by the way, everybody is, is a growing number, and I love to see that. It means that I'm not breaking it yet. So keep listening tell your friends about it many thanks also to the OGGN team for all the hard work that they do most especially my audio fixer guy Mr. Mac Roman who always makes us sound fantastic and remember when you hear this when you hear this thing this thing that goes like oil and gas a bunch of old buddy duddies I don't really you know there's not I I don't know do people still say I feel like maybe I'm going to have to find a new way to wrap up the show because maybe maybe we're winning the fight because I don't hear this so much out there in the world anymore. Of course, maybe I don't get out so much anymore. But anyway, if you do hear it, just remember to explain to them that we were tech before tech was cool. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.